What is the best use of youth? Same use as is best for any point in life. It's not as if youth can be put to a use that is different from the best use of any other stage of life. Doesn't matter how old you are, your time must have only one purpose, one aim, one direction. Self-revelation, peace, clarity, realization. It's just that it is much more facile in youth. Why? Because in your youth you are neither a kid nor too grown up. Because you are not a kid. So your brain is now developed enough to analyze, criticize, think, ruminate. Hmm? Ponder, delve, introspect. Now all these things are possible to you. You can now gather knowledge, divide it, Compare it. And your body has strength. So the mind is not unduly afraid about physical limitations. At the same time, you are not old. Layers and layers of sediments have not yet gathered upon you. Your habits haven't become fossilized. You haven't settled down into grooves. And you're not burdened with social responsibilities. So youth is the most appropriate time to move speedily towards yourself. The same movement must happen throughout life. But it's, as I said, much more facile in youth. Hmm? Is it not another idea sold to us when youth is usually uh, talked of in terms of a time to indulge? Yes, of course. Indulge so that commercial products find a market. Don't you see that? Unless the youth indulges in consumption, how will the markets sell? And the youth can absorb a lot, eat a lot, travel a lot. So it's great to trap them. If you want to sell burgers to 80-year-olds, you have a practical problem. The buggers can't even eat now. So if you are selling burgers, you better target 25-year-olds. They can consume burger after burger. They have the 
इनार्ड्स यूथ इज नॉट अ पीरियड वेयर यू आर टू रियली मेक मेरी यूथ इज द पीरियड वेन यू आर रशिंग टूवर्ड्स अ गोल अ सिटी एंड द रोड इज स्मूथ एंड ट्रैफिक फ्री एंड द इंजन इज स्ट्रॉन्ग सो यू कैन स्पीड अप यू बेटर स्पीड अप बिकॉज यू नो that soon you will come to congested areas soon your vehicle may start developing snags right now is just the appropriate time to hurry up it's an express way good sunshine so i can see clearly and the vehicle is fine right now i better accelerate so why is it that old age always gets connected to the concept of having regrets so much because you haven't sped during your youth so now you know that the vehicle is going to run out of fuel and you are still nowhere near the destination obviously you will have only regrets is that my regret or is it the telling me to regret this both because those who are telling you to be regretful are exactly the ones who advised you to not to hurry up during youth so the same script that says indulge in youth also says regret in old age it's a part it's a part of the same script act 2 scene 1 indulge Act four, scene three, regret. It's the same script, hmm? and that's why the saints kept on telling you. Balikal khel gawayo. You wild away. Your childhood in just trivial matters and your youth in desires and consumption and now you are left with only regrets when you are old that's what the saints have always been telling you and that's why mostly you see old people with a very freckled face freckled and frowning it's very difficult to find a joyful 60 year 80 year old it's a rarity hmm yeah those who have a fun youth are almost never even happy in their old age correct 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 very very difficult it would be to find a blissful octogenarian in fact the word senility you know where it comes from when do you say somebody has gone senile sathiya jana 
सठिया जाना किसको बोलते हैं सिक्सटी साठ का हो गया सठिया आ गया That's also where the word celility comes from. Midlife crisis. Midlife crisis and all. This. Don't you see? You're bound to have a midlife crisis after forty. Why? Because of the ways you have gone through your youth. The most wasteful period of one's life is often the time between twenty and thirty-five. You are at the peak of your powers between, let's say, twenty and forty. And if you don't utilize that time, then post forty, obviously, you will have a crisis. Forty to sixty, you will spend battling that crisis, and after sixty, you aren't even battling. You are just regretting and waiting for death. Ah, this too is a stereotype, but then they aren't just. Even though they have to be guarded against and they have to be rejected, we have to nevertheless scrutinize them. Obviously. For Obviously. throwing them aside. Because if we don't scrutinize, then we won't even realize when they might start creeping back into power Obviously. over us. Obviously. See, everybody who is in a bar. is not drunk what does the stereotype say they are all drunkards inside the bar not everybody is drunk but them but then a big proportion of them actually are drunk so better give some credence to the stereotype it does not mean that you should blindly follow it but at the same time it serves to investigate why that stereotype exists in the first place Of course. That is one way to the only way to become immune. Of course, of course. Will have power over you. Of course. So if you take quick decisions that impact you as well, you do some actions for your good or good sake. It harms you as well by the by the end of. Great decision cannot come without the courage to face the consequences. But if you take quick decisions, then as you said that you can't take decisions, you can't take action for quick, quick acceptance of that particular situation. Then how you can get it? From uh, that action, it, it impacts you sometimes. You take quick decisions. What does quickness mean? But you said now, uh, from 20 to 35, if you are uh, you just at that time you just grow for yourself as well as your professional and personal life. So if you take quick decisions in that time period, it harms you as well. 20 to 35 is 15 years. What do you mean by quick decisions? But if you are taking some actions hmm. towards uh, good things hmm. for your life, hmm. then it impacts you as well sometimes. Uh, it will impact you. It must impact you. Uh, hmm. It must impact you. 
No, if you are getting demotivated, then your decision is not right. No good decision can come without the accompanying courage to bear the consequences. If you have taken a decision and are then regretting the consequences, then the decision itself couldn't have been great. The result of a great decision is great bliss. The result of a great decision cannot be misery. And wise decisions are not the same as quick decisions. These lights, they have been quickly switched on. You press the button and quickly there is light. That does not mean that there is any wisdom applied by the light bulbs. It's just a mechanical reaction. Spontaneity and quickness are not the same thing. Wisdom is related to spontaneity. And quickness can be merely mechanical. Somebody abuses you, you quickly abuse back. Is there any wisdom in this? But the action is quick. Maybe he is saying uh, not quick decision, but uh, decision at the correct time. Like, uh, Obviously, at the age of 25, you will not make the decisions to have dentures. What do you mean by decision at the right time? Right time means like, if I take your example, it's an you were able to take the right decision at the right time. Mm. Right decision can be taken only at the right time. What do you mean by right decision at the wrong time? Means like if, if you take a decision at the wrong time, is it right? Mm. Means like if, let's say I had this feeling about being <coughs> spiritual earlier on, mm -hmm. I was not able to take that decision and um, so take it right now. Do what is possible right now. Do what is possible right now. You have no other possibility anyway. How does it matter where you are? The GPS says your location, destination. And this is the way. And there always is a way. How does it matter where you have reached? What is the GPS always ready to tell you? What path takes you from your location to the destination? And the path is always there. It doesn't matter where you are. Wherever you are, a way is available. Use that. Otherwise, one is just finding an excuse. One is saying, you know, I didn't take the right decision at that time. Therefore, I am stuck. It's just another addition to the long list of excuses we already have. It's another like, uh, like the good boy, it's like I'm a bad boy and now nothing can be done. Now nothing can be done. It's all spoilt, you know. 
we are chasing 200 and we have lost four wickets for 20. The game is gone. So why even try? Like I'm over 40, so I feel like the only thing that probably changes my body. My body is true, not so uh, like it doesn't recover so fast Correct. and all those things. Mind also little bit sharpness has come down. I feel, but otherwise it's like it's the same. Nothing has changed. You're very right. If one is living rightly, then youth is the permanent state of one's mind. The body can grow old, the mind cannot grow old, if one has lived rightly. Youth that way is your default state. Tatma has no age, it is ageless, and the mind has a right age. One age, the age of, the right age of the mind is 25. The mind must be 25 forever. And the body, its age changes every moment. The age of the body changes with the clock. But the age of the mind should get frozen at one point, 25. 25 forever. Hmm? 18 till I die. 18 till I die. That kind of a thing. I'm sure we've discussed this before, but what are the components of this right living that we're talking about that will keep the mind forever young? All that we have talked of. Hmm? Inquiry, fearlessness, love, compassion. Discipline, surrender, love for freedom. If one has been living that way, then mentally one never grows old. Never. You will be young even when you are 90. And this that I'm saying is not an idea. And when people say that youth is energetic, hmm. definition of energetic also somehow seems to mean hyperactivity. Yeah, yeah. But energetic does not necessarily mean irrational. The right person. channelization of energy. When people say, you know, the, that guy is very energetic, that does not re necessarily mean that he is channelizing his energy in a wise way. It only means an effulgence of energy which might even be disruptive self or self-destructive, boisterous, you know, simply random. Of that kind of energy is of no use. If you'll go into it, it's very, very interesting. The way we are living 
is just not done. And it's extremely tragic as well as, well as you know, amusing to wonder how we came to this kind of living. I mean, you must, you must wonder, why must a 40 or 45 year old live like this? Why? <laughs> How was it mandated? Right now, in the, in the vast sky of all possibilities, a very narrow path has been delineated. And almost the entire mankind has been told to take that path. All the other possibilities have been closed. You see, look at this vast sky, see. And imagine a very narrow trail. A very narrow and nonsensical trail. Nonsensical and equally random. Existing just for historical, social and evolutionary reasons. In middle there is some trail. And 8 billion living people are walking down that trail. And there is no fence. There is no fence that separates that trail from the great and open possibilities. You can jump over, cross over, any time. It's possible. But just about nobody is prepared to leave the retinue. The elephant has been chained. The elephant has been chained. In fact, there is no chain. He doesn't, doesn't realize that there is no chain. Obviously, that's it. Very narrow, very, very narrow and crooked trail. A trail that makes no sense. And the entire mankind is walking down that trail. Starts with the schooling. Schooling, yes. Schooling, television. Yeah. You know what? I have come to see something very, very stupid, but very appalling as well. Our consciousness is made up of popular media what you call as the consciousness of the average human being. It is made up of the movies, the songs. We live our life by the songs. Slogans and lyrics, jingles. Remove the songs and half of a man's problem would be solved. The songs are dictating our consciousness. So much so that everything about us, our smiles are not our ours. We smile by the way the songs tell us to. And if you can be discerning enough just by looking at somebody's smile, you can tell, oh, this is the smile of that particular actress. Even the smiles are now totally borrowed. Nothing about us is ours. 
the television the media the movies are there in our houses in our bedrooms the way we even physically associate with our partners if that is not enough they are there in our very being the way you lie down the way you wake up the way you cry the way you laugh the way you eat the whole story of being is a fabricated story there is no authorship in that story i could always accept all the ideas but one thing shocked me the most i have seen even deaths in the family <coughs> and seen women even on those occasions crying in a particular <coughs> manner particular that way that shocks me the most all all in my life because that's how you are supposed to cry how can that happen ಡೇಂಟಿಂಟಿಂಟಿ yes <coughs> we uh, need the help of the dalis also ah, but that's an old tradition that's an old tradition thing is you see you look at people laugh in albums that are half a century old and you will find them laughing in ways that are different from ours that's how complete the struggle hold is you don't even laugh originally you don't even glance originally songs you know they are everywhere and then there is the fiction the popular literature and such things and charity kid is born is already always the society what what is there so the kid is having no choice like whatever the parent or school or teaching or everything is telling feeding we don't have any kids here Yeah. Okay. So we have a choice. Yes, we have. <laughs> your emotions are not yours. Your love is not yours. Your hatred is not yours. Your dress is not yours. Your hairstyle is not yours. Your eyelashes are not yours. I have a question. Uh, over the time when i uh, your questions are not yours <laughs> so over the time when i analyze the institutions that have been made or the traditions that have been made i found a utility for them 
and they are just continued for a long time and when i feel and wise people made those traditions or those or those institutions now i feel that people who are just continuing that traditions then i have a question that why don't they change it in the same way how our ancestors did is it that people of 40 50 years who are successful who are capable of making particular kind of systems where kids can explore different possibilities find that this these institutions are even uh, maybe the prevalent ones are maybe better do that the new ones do that those changes do not come through social consensus they come when one man with fire in his heart decides to burn down the trash of the past do that no tradition emerges from social consensus it always starts from one person and later on snowballs into a popular thing so if you can see something why don't you materialize it why are you always at the receiving end of traditions if you can't start traditions at least demolish a few demolish them or rejuvenate them whatever Take the easy way. Hmm? Want to have it and eat it as well, right? <laughs> demolishing of this demolishing is only possible by very few. Guru Nanak has been shown as he is born with that. Not true. Not true. Not true. Not true. Had that been the case, then all of us wouldn't have been reading Tripura Rahasya at once. then we would have said it is only for the authors and selected few why is the entire mankind reading the scriptures hmm maybe the stories are made afterwards <laughs> don't <coughs> label them as supernatural or extraordinary or whatever the potentiality is there in everybody what is befuddling is how the potentiality just goes to grave without ever being expressed and it's such a terrible loss isn't it hmm we count all kinds of losses but we never count this opportunity loss i was born with a great potential and the potential has gone to the funeral pyre the possibility is there it's just that we have become so straight jacketed 
that we can't even visualize ourselves as the vehicle, as the exponent of that potential. You know, one of the reasons for this is that we don't take one step at a time. You're looking at yourself and you're looking at Guru Nanak and saying, Oh, he's standing atop Mount Everest. And here I am deep down in the valley. How will I ever reach him? Obviously, if you'll compare yourself straight away to Guru Nanak, then the Climb is Herculean, very steep. Take one step at a time. From where you are, take one step. That has been a very central part of my teaching. Don't think too far ahead. Just take one step. That will be easy, won't it be? Take one step and be determined. Then take another baby step. And when you are taking one step, think only about that one step. <clears throat> one step is not very difficult, is it? But when you look at the mountain top, then it is... The looking becomes the deterrent. Hmm? People have come to me and said, you know, you started off at the right time, you had the benefit of privileged education, this, that. So, when we look at you, we understand that it's not possible for us. I said, then you stop looking at me. <laughs> then you stop coming because I'm doing a great disservice to you. Instead of facilitating your movement, I'm blocking it. Don't look at me at all. Look at your condition and take one step. I have also just taken a series of steps. tiny steps and I am continuously taking them. Just as you are on your journey, I too am. And there are just small steps that you have to take. And I have to take. Don't have any images about the outcome. You don't know who Guru Nanak is. You cannot visualize who Krishna or Kabir or Muhammad were. You simply cannot, given who we are and where we are, all our visualizations will be very juvenile. So don't think about the end point. Look at your present situation and ask yourself, how do I move one little bit? 
How do I move? One little bit. Can't I improve just a little? That's it.